Pray with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, breath of God and fire of love, we cannot pray, we cannot reflect, we cannot receive a reflection without your aid. So kindle in us now the fire of your love and illumine us with your light, that with steadfast wills and holy thoughts we may approach the Father in spirit and in truth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Father reign in eternal union. Amen. You may be seated. Who doesn't love feeling vindicated? Husbands and wives, you know what I mean, right? One of my favorite commercials nowadays, it's kind of bad that you have a favorite commercial, probably indicates you watch a little too much TV, but it's that progressive commercial, right? It's the the husband at the back of the SUV opens the trunk and says, honey, didn't you pack the life jackets? And she kind of says, no, you said you'd pack them. And he comes around and he pulls out the red challenge flag and he says, I have to challenge that. And he drops it and the progressive insurance guy comes in and shows the replay, right? And the next scene you see is they both have their headphones on and the wife is saying, wow, what I really love about that is how you said, obviously, I won't forget to pack the life jackets. I mean, she was vindicated. She was right. We know what it's like. We, know, we like it, right? To, to be vindicated as in an argument, especially maybe with those who are especially close to it feels good. That's one of the definitions of vindication, proof that someone or something is right or reasonable or justified. This is from um, Oxford languages. That's one of the senses of the word vindication. Most of us love this sense, right? To be vindicated, to be shown to be right when all the chips fall, who's who's right? This morning at Inklings, um, we were going through a chapter that we've already gone through, and we ended up doing almost the same thing we did last week. The chapter is in a very dense and deep book, and so we thought there would be more to talk about, and there surely was. But we couldn't help but just keep talking, mostly, about this idea of heaven and hell and eternity, and um, Bishop Robert Barron is writing the book, and it's on the Nicene Creed, and he shall come again to judge the living and the dead, the way the creed closes the article about Jesus. And the idea of judgment and justice and heaven and hell and Um, When you talk about things like that, eternal things, then you're bound to have some disagreement. And there was some disagreement between me and Mike and Gary and probably all of us and Peter Mitchell and a lot of disagreement. And um, someone's going to be right one day, right? We're going to stand in front of Jesus and it's all going to play out. And I'm probably going to look at Mike and say, see, told you. We we all want to be right. It it feels good to be right. This chapter from Job, especially this passage, is sometimes called Job's Vindication. That's kind of the the title that's put on, particularly these few verses that we have. But the the broader context of these verses really kind of belie um, just how hopeful these words are. According to Robert Alden in his commentary, because of the Redeemer passage, this is the most quoted chapter in Job. Unfortunately, that ray of hope is surrounded by themes a lot more characteristic of Job, criticism of friends, complaint to God, despair. The Faith Life Study Bible gives a very hopeful overview of the chapter, and it'll kind of set some context. In this response, this is Job speaking in, verse, in chapter 19, Job mostly addresses his friends. He complains about their treatment of him in verses 1 to 6, and he complains about God's treatment of him. In verses 7 to 12. He also complains about being alienated and isolated. Verses 13 to 20. And pleads with his friends for mercy and understanding. Verses 20 and 21. Or sorry, 21 and 22. 
After all this complaint, Job expresses faith in his eventual vindication. That's that section we read, verses 23 to 27. And this, this very hopeful that when it's all said and done, I will see God in my flesh. And uh, won't that be the day, right, when I finally see God? And then he ends with a warning to his friends about that same day, right, where be careful because you guys are calling me out for something I didn't do and your words are going to be judged too is essentially what he's saying. I want to read, set some context a little bit more for the book of Job, chapter 19, verses verses 1 to 7. Job answered and said, speaking to his friends, how long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? These ten times you've cast reproach upon me. Are you not ashamed to wrong me? And even if it be true that I have erred, my error remains with myself. If indeed you magnify yourselves against me and make my disgrace an argument against me, know then that God has put me in the wrong and closed his net about me. Behold, I cry out violence, but I'm not answered. I call for help, but there's no justice. Verse 6 is very interesting. Know then that God has put me in the wrong and closed his net about me. Two other major translations translate it with a very different sense. This is the NIV. Then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. The Lexham English Bible is also the same sense. Know then that God, God has wronged me and surrounded me with his net. See, if that's what Job really means, can he really be so sure that he's going to be vindicated? The ESV kind of blunts the force of that verse, I think, but uh, it seems to me that they're trying to just get around a bit of a theological problem, right? Job saying out loud, God has done me wrong. And if Job really believes that God has done him wrong, then why is he so hopeful about vindication? I mean, isn't, isn't part of the whole point of Job that God does no wrong? And God is perfectly righteous. And um, the whole point of, at least one of the points of the book of Job is that there are so many factors in play, we can't possibly understand them all, Job. I mean, God's perspective is way higher, and he knows what's going on when you don't, and so don't charge him with wrong. There's another sense of vindication, though. There's another way that it's used. That sense is, quote, the action of clearing someone of blame or suspicion. If Job's words, this hopeful expression of vindication, if Job means the second sense rather than the first, then I think we can understand this beautiful statement from Job about knowing my Redeemer and that he lives. We can understand it in the new light of the gospel. Our vindication in the second sense, the clearing of blame or guilt, our vindication comes not by right, but by grace. I think we'll know that in a new way when we do meet God in person, if we're in Christ. The blame, the condemnation that we deserve, that we fear because of our sins, has already been cleared. It's already been wiped away. And when we see Jesus face to face, we'll know that in our bones in a way that we've never felt before. When we finally do see God in person... I think we will feel vindicated in a new and deeper way, but not because we'll be proven right about everything or because we're inherently deserving of having our guilt cleared. 
I don't know what I'll say to Mike Lumpkin on that day when one of us is right about who ends up in heaven and hell and one of us isn't. But I also probably won't care. I don't think I'll care too much about being right over against Mike Lumpkin at the Inklings on that random Wednesday morning. I don't think I'll care very much about whether my wife won more fights than I did, whether the replay shows her being right more often than me. What I'm going to care about is the fact that God wiped away my sins and I can stand in front of him without fear, without guilt, without condemnation. We'll feel deep down, I think, the words from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose unrighteousness is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the one to whom the Lord imputes no sin. In his spirit there is no guile. The blame and condemnation that we deserve has been placed on Jesus at the cross. And forgiveness, reconciliation, entrance into the kingdom, all the benefits of Christ, they've taken their place. That's the gospel. And it's because we can hope in that, that we can hope without a hint of fear to see God in our flesh face to face. Amen.